0: Hi everyone, I'm Claudia Sarek. And I'm Zach Mack. And this is So You Wanna Run a Restaurant, powered by Back of House, where we let you have a seat at the table and talk about trending topics in the restaurant industry. Ooh, I love that clapping that we did in the intro. Gets me going every episode. <laughs> so we are really excited today for our guest, Cynthia Wong, who is the owner of Charleston-based Life Raft Treats. Now, some of you may not know Cynthia by her first name, but I bet you you've seen her on your advertisements for Goldbelly and other sorts of social media platforms. She does the novelty-like food. So she does – her big thing is the fried chicken. So it's, it looks like fried chicken, but it's actually ice cream.
1: Um, I think it's super honestly, cool. it's, it's one of those things. It's like, this is the most creative thing in food to me. Like when it, if, yeah. what is nothing like I've, I've had a couple of crazy meals like this where like, have you ever been to any restaurants that have kind of made a play on this where they serve you something that looks like something it's not.
0: I've had it with cakes mostly, but never with, I don't think I've ever had it with ice cream, but I mean, you see it all the time in the cake, world. The cake
1: world. Yeah. I actually, I went to a restaurant in Spain, the whole, it was Michelin star restaurant in, uh, in a city called yeah. Maya, the lead and it, it was the whole every course was something made to look something inedible that was edible itself like there was one course that looked like a cigar that was actually like mushrooms oh. wrapped with a bunch of ash it, and it looked like a cigar I could pick up and smoke there was one that was actually like a bag of chips that the bag itself was edible it was like blown sugar with like it, it was absolutely incredible so when wow. I see stuff like this I'm like this it's like okay yeah cooking and, it, and the other thing too is like it wasn't just the look it tasted amazing So like for that, for that sort of thing to come through, that's especially in the era of Instagram or or TikTok when you're sharing this stuff so quickly, being good at this is just as important to like, this is next level. This is art as far as I'm concerned. Or that
0: you can eat. Oh, I think so, too. I think so, too. And social media just loves her. And they it, it's, it sells itself, really, I think. So Cynthia is also a decorated pastry chef. She's a six-time James Beard semi-finalist who struck out on her own to create LifeRef Streets, which she started actually selling out of a food truck and outside-the-box ice cream novelties. And now it's just become this massive operation, including a huge e-commerce presence. So we're gonna to talk to all of her about that today, and um, I, I wish I had a I wish I had a chicken leg to eat while we were filming this. That's all I can
1: think about right now, and it's not exactly I can run out and pick <laughs> yeah. one up. You know, I have to get, no. I have to wait. I have to get that no. here. <laughs> right, exactly.
0: All right. Well, uh, Cynthia, we are so excited to have you on the show today to talk to you about your career pivot, how social media and e commerce has fueled your business and your growth, and what's next for Life Raft Treats. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me.
1: Hey, Cynthia, it's so nice to have you on. Um, I, I'll kick us off with a couple of a very easy question, kind of starting at the beginning here. Um, and from what I understand before life raft treats, you had a pretty well-traveled and well-recognized career as a fine dining pastry chef, which in my experience is talking to people. That's actually like one of the more, uh, that's more complicated and interesting jobs in the field or in the industry. Um, what was that like? And what about that kind of work drew you into what you're doing now? How did that form where you're at?
0: Um,
2: (laughs) well, one of the main, uh, things that, that, kind of work drive me to was, was getting out of it, honestly. Um, and that sounds, <laughs> I wanted to ask that,
1: but I didn't want
2: to I it sounds terrible, but, um, you know, I, I kind of was a late bloomer and sort of my career kind of took off when I was in my mid thirties and was already kind of not really keen to be around a bunch of 20 year olds who wanted to drink every night anyways. Mm. Um, and didn't really love that part of restaurant culture. Um, and as I had kids I was like okay I, I can of can't take these bros seriously anymore and I can't I can't take this sort of like oh well I worked 100 hours this week well I worked 130 hours this week kind of thing um and you know I, I was kind of starting to see pastry chef jobs as really something that was beginning to die out and the kind of job that I needed to have to be able to just put my children in daycare so that I could work or these huge jobs with like big teams and multiple locations, and I just got really exhausted from it. And I found myself at a point where I didn't really love making food anymore. And that was the whole point was to make food and love making it. And that just kind of got worn out of me. So I I bailed.
0: Yeah. I also read somewhere that you said that you made over 80,000 croissants and that you never want to make another croissant ever again.
2: That's a hundred percent true.
0: <laughs> I will,
2: I will eat them with with great delight if someone else has made them. Yeah, but I, if I, I'm, life will be fine if I never see another sheeter or a block of butter or any of that stuff ever again.
1: Honestly, the, the burnout, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start with that question too, is because I know the burnout on that side is real, and sometimes that sends people screaming away from the industry entirely. But it, like, it looks like obviously this is right. something that kind of helped you to To redefine what you do within the industry. So, mm-hmm. and obviously work balance yes. is a huge part of that. You're talking about with your kids and things like that, especially post COVID, we're seeing how people are all of a sudden realizing there are a lot more important things in life. So uh, I was really wondering, so the I see the work-life balance industry was a huge driver for you in general, but could you tell us like how how does that factor into what you're doing now too? Because that's, I think on the top of everyone's minds as we kind of go back to normal, Uh, or God willing, go back to normal and and businesses kind of pick up where we left off?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, within my company, um, people have the option to work a four-day work week. Um, And, you know, we have uh, one member of production team who works five days a week because he's in school. And I just fully believe in I cannot exist without my team. I am nothing without them. I can't run this business. There's no point. And so I, they are honestly... top priority in the company. It's not really even the product. You know, the customer obviously is very important, but the team comes first every single day, all day long. Their needs come first. I will sell my furniture. I'll pawn my car before anyone has a paycheck that bounces or anything. Um, And so that was really informed by my experiences in restaurants and, you know, that kind of terrible restaurant culture where it just feels like, I don't know, like a giant meat grinder and you're going to get squished out of it. I just didn't want any more of that. And I didn't want to have a company where I did that to other people either. Um, and so that's just the whole thing. It's, you know, we have, uh, everyone full-time part-time gets six, um, sick days, paid sick days a year. And that's, that includes mental health. You know, if you're like, I am really tired and I'm fighting with my roommate or whatever and need a day off. You take a day off. I I don't want you to be at work if you are having, you know, a rough time of things. Um, It also includes taking care of an ill family member or taking care of an ill pet or an ill friend. Like, I just really, really believe that life comes before work. And there's no, there's no excuses to ever, you know, have it be the opposite. That's awesome. Very
1: refreshing.
0: Okay. So you started, so you took those ethos and you decided, Hey, I'm going to now create life draft treats. I'm curious what drove you to do ice cream and what made you think, Hey, I want to start exploring ice cream because also you're our first ice cream. I don't know what you'd call it. Ice cream, mature, creamer, ice, ice, creamer, ice, creamer, ice, creamer. <laughs> ice cream, creator that we've had on the show. France, ice you're, creamer? Like you're our first ice creamer. <laughs> right, right. Yeah.
2: It sounds sounds yeah. so fancy. <laughs> <It> yeah. <does.
0: laughs> and like, yeah, and how that started, and then how the treats started afterwards. So I well,
2: wonder about that
1: journey.
2: Um, I always really liked novelties, like the ice cream novelties, like the little things that you would get out of a package and they were their own contained little unit. And I always preferred novelties to mm-hmm. scoops. Um, but the, you know, again, the whole balance of life thing, the, the big factor was, well, I can, within certain boundaries, make everything I need to make and put it in the freezer and go to the beach. <laughs> that was a, that was like a huge deciding factor. That's amazing. I was just like, I'm done working all the time. Yeah. I'm done like breaking myself. I'm going to make this ice cream and then I'm going to take my kids to the beach and then I'm going to drink a bottle of wine with my husband and have a life. Um, but also I was really, really inspired um, by a trip to the Ilderay Off the um, the Atlantic coast of France, there is an ice cream maker there named Mm. called La Martiniere, and they've been there forever. And they just do amazing things. And I looked at that and I was like, God, it'd be so cool to do something like that. And so once I got backed into the corner of working in restaurants and I was like, I got to get out of here. I was like, well, why not that? Like at this point, what's left? I don't want another giant restaurant job. So why not this? So I just... I just did it. And kind of sometimes, you know, when you're fortunate enough and you're privileged enough to just be able to just leap off the cliff, those things kind of work out because you're so backed into a corner, you don't have time to be afraid and and worry about things. You just go.
1: So it did all start with a glossary Mm -hmm. in France. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Our technical part of it did. Yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah. (laughs) I've been meaning to go. That's my next trip that I'm planning for myself is to get out there. So I'll have to pick your brain when we're done. But... So I'm... I'm, Oh, God, it's amazing, yeah. Yeah, I know. After the last few years, I think we all can enjoy a little trip to eat ice cream off the the coast of France. Um, But... Right? Yeah. (laughs) If if nothing to just feel like we're going back to normal. Um, So... I I do also I love how we're still talking about reasons why you started this business, but it's all coming back into the idea that you really wanted that that work life balance, but also like you said, being able to go to the beach, put it down, and to walk away from it, which in the restaurant industry is very very. That's not something that people do. Oh gosh, no. I mean, I I think when you starting off Life Raft, you started off as running a, a bit of a, like a mobile food cart or a mm-hmm. truck, mm-hmm. just for the sake of the listeners who maybe don't know. Um, what was that like coming from the pastry chef kitchen and that kind of like large environment and, and transitioning what you do into a much smaller and what some would call a little handicapped uh, experience? Because you're not dealing with like the, the amount, same amount right. of space uh, or or the same equipment, mm-hmm. I guess.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I had the great fortune of working in small chef driven restaurants where, you know, they opened it with their own money and there was no there's no big budget for fantastic equipment and things like that. And, you know, one of the places I worked in, if you didn't get there early enough, you were going to be prepping on top of the fax machine. So that kind of like <laughs> forced, um, you know, forced MacGyverism or whatever suited me really well. Like it was just, you know, it wasn't hard. Like there are other things that were hard, like dealing with the physical aspect of an actual truck itself and a generator and tires and the water tank and all that stuff was like, oh my gosh, this is a really steep learning curve. But the transition to, you know, kind of just scraping it all together, just I honestly felt really natural because, you know, there's so much bootstrapping in kitchens, whether you're in a really fancy one or not. The point. Yeah.
0: So... I want to talk about now the not fried chicken, sure, um, which even includes the chocolate cookie bone in the yes. middle, which is super creative. And I love <laughs> that all of these layers, and I feel like the thought process, I was reading about the ice cream, and there's so much thought that goes into it. it like you said before, it's it has the novelty feel to it, given that... You know, you're recreating these mostly savory things and they're ice cream and you take a bite into it and oh wow, I didn't realize it. But there's there's so many layers. How did you develop that? And when did you notice that it was really becoming a thing?
2: Um, it was one of those like total working mom exhaustion things where I had gotten him from work and <laughs> this is when I was still in a restaurant kitchen. I gotten him from work and I think the kids were in the backyard and I was half asleep on the couch and I thought, you know it would be really funny? It would be really funny to make, an ice cream drumstick. It was like a drumstick. It, you know, it just kind of started off as like a stupid joke in my head. Yeah. And then I went to work the next day. And I was like, hey, guys, let's let's make um, an ice cream bar. It's like a piece of fried chicken. And they're all like, um, are, are you okay? Do you, do, you, do you need to go home? This, what, what are you talking about? And I was like, just, just watch. And um, I just messed around with it for a little bit. Uh, the first iteration was going to be... Um, biscuits like chicken and biscuits it was like a biscuit flavored ice cream oh, but yeah. that didn't really translate it didn't really the biscuit part didn't taste very biscuity it was just kind of like this is kind of salty okay whatever mm-hmm. and then so it made sense to kind of do like waffle so it was like a waffle ice cream and, and that tasted really good so we just kind of went from there and it just kind of took off and the cookie bone was just another joke in there and um it just People had a really funny reaction to it when we started off. Like people would like say, say, um, what is this? Is there actual chicken in this? This is, kind of, this is kind of gross, this is kind of weird. But then when you caught the attention of the people who got it and liked it, they were like, oh my God, oh my God, what is this? And they would go get a friend and come back to the truck and say, you have to eat this, eat this right now. And that person would be like, oh my God, it was so great. So it was just one of those kind of things that just really grabbed people's attention one way or the other. And it just worked. I was really lucky.
1: You're super creative. And it's a very creative thing to do. I, I see a lot of that. Like, that's clearly, I, I feel like a lot of time pastry chefs have, they're the unsung heroes of the culinary world because it takes that kind of creativity and that kind of expertise or that artistry to, like, come up with something like that. Your food looks amazing. I wish if anyone, you know, who's listening to this can go and Google it, they'll see what I mean. But it reminds me of that, that fad that was happening on the Internet for a second where everyone was like, oh, wait, this is actually a cake? Well, like when you cut into something. Oh, yeah.
2: It's not toilet toilet paper. It's cake. Yeah, (laughs) no, I love that. I (laughs) I love that stuff. I think it's just so funny. And I, I, you know, and a lot of inspiration came from the plastic food outside of Japanese restaurants. Oh. I was obsessed with it when I was a kid. Like obsessed. I was like, oh, my God, look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Just like all the fake food and I remember being somewhere with my parents. And seeing the fake plastic food and pointing at it and saying, I want that. And my parents were like, um, I don't think you really do want that. I was like, no, I want that. And they made it. I can't remember what it was It came out. And I was like, yeah, I don't want this.
0: You don't actually want it. But it looks it. so cool. Yeah. You know, it was,
2: yeah. It's plastic food. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And just all that kind of like sort of mildly, I don't know, in, in our kitchen, because, you know, we don't take ourselves very seriously. We call it prank food. It's like a prank almost.
1: Prankly, it's fun. It is. That, I mean, that's the thing. It's so creative. It's unique. No one's expecting that, right? Yeah. Because not anyone can just jump into right. the kitchen and make something, make ice cream that looks like a chicken, for fried chicken yeah. leg. Um, that's just really, that is. That's.
0: I have to tell you, when I saw the Thanksgiving meal, I had to do, do- I did a double take.
1: No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Honestly, I, first yeah. off.
0: I, I literally, I did a double take. I thought to myself, wait, is this, this is all edible dessert? It's amazing. Uh, folks, if you haven't seen it, you need to Google it online and take a look at it. And I saw, too, that you sold out, like, instantly. You yeah. restocked, and then it sold out again instantly. So people love it. Yeah.
2: I mean, you know, it's like we just, we were very fortunate when we started making things, these things that we made them at a time when, you know, everyone was kind of sitting at home looking at things, and it just we were really lucky with the timing
1: also i imagine that sort of thing too it's like it's a it's a bit of a highlight to have that come through when you're kind of down in the dumps it's like okay can you believe reading this like thanksgiving meal and in the midst <laughs> yeah of you know and yeah. like
2: when when we've been serving ice cream on the truck and someone gets a piece of not fried chicken and they bite into it and they start laughing that's like the that's the ultimate compliment to me it's just like it's supposed to make you laugh yeah you know yeah. service in a good way <laughs> it's totally silly and totally ridiculous and it's all like bougie stoner food but it's supposed to make you laugh
0: yeah well okay so I would love to hear a little bit more then about just how you've gotten it out there through technology and especially um, your presence in e-commerce and gold belly mm-hmm. um, and how that's worked for you and how that's really helped grow this and your the exposure that your that your items have received through those platforms
2: um, uh, you know I like The first two years of, of doing this, it was kind of a joke with me and my friends that I just had developed this other really expensive, time-consuming hobby, because uh, it's mostly just me, and I had this wonderful person. She's still with the company, but she had been my intern at the last restaurant I was in, and she'd kind of drop in a couple days here and there to sort of help me out. And it just, you know, I wasn't a commissary, and it just didn't really feel like a real company. It was just what I was doing, because I needed to go somewhere during the day. <laughs> and like, when people would actually come and buy things from me, I was like, oh my God, people want this this is amazing this is incredible and you know we were starting to do some sort of events and things like that in 2019 um, and my husband still had a full-time job outside of the company and he was actually paying all the bills and I was just doing this kind of like silly ice cream thing and then when the shutdown happened I was at home and I was like oh my god okay we've we've kind of sort of got to think about all this stuff and you know Everyone was trapped at home looking at their phones. And so it started to really work out for us. And we started getting more and more into the novelties and the really fun looking things. Um, And then so eventually in the fall of 2020, we started shipping through Gold Belly and it just it took off, you know, because we're in Charleston and Charleston's great, but we still don't have a shop yet. But the market for funny novelties is, you know, it's it's kind of limited in a city this size. So we got to reach you know, a crowd of people that really like to eat, that really like to eat new, fun things. And also, that just really worked for In my for opinion, us. a very we giftable were just food just really, item. really, really lucky. Yeah. No, it's... it's an, yeah, you know, it's like...
1: How has it been? I've used Gold Belly to ship, I ship my dad in Georgia a bunch of lobster from Maine. Yeah, uh, it's like great. Stuff like that. It's like, it blows it's my mind. He's he thrilled by it. Actually, I am certainly going to send him a bunch of not fried chicken. Um, oh, nice. Because it's, I think it's <laughs> a really cool idea. But I'm, I'm yeah. very, like, curious. So... Mm. The, with Goldbelly too, like was that like a huge ramp up? Like when the I'm sure that obviously created a bit more work for you guys in terms of packaging and and figuring out how to how to execute it. It was,
2: oh gosh, yes, um, and it was an absolute game changer in terms of what was going on with the company. My husband left his full time super nice corporate job, you know, with um, benefits and all that stuff, left it and joined the company to help me run it because oh, I was wow. like I can't do this anymore and I need someone like you, but I could never possibly afford someone like you, but we're married, so you're trapped and you're gonna do this with me now. <laughs> and so that I was like, that's it, bud. Like, you know, you're you're gonna have to do this. And he was actually really happy to get out of the corporate world. He um worked as a buyer and merchandiser at Whole Foods for twelve years and
0: oh, wow. perfect.
2: Um Yeah. Yeah, I you know, I'm married to the spreadsheet king. It's it's amazing. <laughs>
1: um, it's really good to have one of them in the family. I so can he, tell you <laughs>
2: Yeah, right, because I'm just like, ooh. Um, Can we eat it? No, then I don't know what to do. Um, So he joined the company, and he really helped push the company into a real legitimate business, like an actual legitimate business where it was like, okay, well, we need to sell this many units at this time and X and Y and Z, and started the relationship with Gold Belly. And not only was it just so life-changing for the company in terms of just the amount of revenue that came in, from gold Belly, but just the exposure you know it was like suddenly there's this huge national platform where it just you would just see it kind of take off where someone who had a lot of instagram followers or someone you know a celebrity would get a bucket and they would take a picture and then everyone else would get it and they would just kind of like you would literally see how viral things happen um and that was just it just ultimately just changed everything and um towards the end of 2020 we were like okay we have to stop doing this at a commissary like this is Uh great and it's been really good but we need like an actual real on like factory and shipping warehouse and that happened last year and since then um we've quintupled sales from the year before wow congratulations yeah and i just thank you and i just i just never thought that this weird little thing that i started to not have to punch the clock anymore at someone else's place, I never thought it would become something that would support my family or that I would, you know, be able to support other people with. I, I really had no idea.
1: I mean, it's funny because everyone we've talked to so far, obviously, we you're the first person who's working from, like, a, a different angle, I want to say, with COVID. You know, a lot of people had to shutter storefronts or, or shut down dining rooms, and that changed – I mean, mm-hmm. that changed their, their whole line of business, but it almost sounds like what you experienced right. was almost, like – not 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 enabled by the pandemic, but it was so you hadn't didn't have to deal no, with as yeah. much going into it, and and it's great that you've you know been able to take no. advantage of a tough time to to make something so awesome. I guess that's kind of what I'm getting at yet, but
2: oh well, you know yeah I mean in the in the joke um, between me and my husband was that we never had enough money in the first years to actually make any big mistakes <laughs> like, like there yeah. was just like it wasn't a real enough of a business to actually be dealt any fatal blows. It was like okay well we're gonna um eat pancakes at home for three months and you know not go to the commissary okay big deal like it just we were just really really lucky um and right before the shutdown we came very close to signing um a lease for a production facility that would have required a lot of build out and ultimately would have been too small and we just got spooked because everything shut down and it was just like sheer dumb luck honestly like I would love to say that we had some kind of genius plan and things worked out but it was just like you know timing
0: just luck right so something else that's come up a lot this season is people being in family businesses and so I feel like now Mm -hmm. you've kind of got you you've gone from just you to your to your husband being involved Mm -hmm. and so you've kind of you've entered that Mm -hmm. family business territory how's that been like for you
1: and also, your kid was just oh trying God. to jump on the interview. Your kids want to get yeah. on, the, on the podcast. Yeah. So.
0: <laughs> yeah um, it's,
2: it's great. And it's also really tough. It's yeah. great because, you know, this person is 100% invested, is going to do whatever they need to do. Um, and it's also really tough because you go home and they're, there they are. <laughs> you go to work and there they are. <laughs> and I know he gets his fill of me for sure. Um, Like so many other couples that were home
0: working from home all throughout the pandemic together. It was like they (laughs) they lost the separation of church and state.
2: (laughs) Right, right. Um, You know, but I've just I'm so lucky to have him on my side because what he's good at is are all the things that I am terrible at. Mm -hmm. And so he's just really, really good at them. He's he's a big, friendly white guy. And I send him on the big, friendly white guy missions like, you know, (laughs) if we need to go open a line of credit with a bank, he goes, he goes, talks to them and smiles. Oh gosh, ma'am. It's so nice to see you again. And all that kind of thing. And I just, you know, lock myself in the kitchen and frown and make ice cream. And so it's great. It were, you know, parts of it work out really, really well.
1: (laughs) I love that. They always say you're, you're technically married to your business partner, right? I mean, I feel like that way with my business partners, it's it's definitely that, but if you can, if you can manage to, to, to keep both, you know, like the, the, business side of it and the personal side of it working great that you really are just nailing it out of the park because not easy to do. Um, yeah. That's that's yeah. great to hear. So, in terms of, speaking of what we were kind of going back to what you are saying before, it sounds like you're, you know, thanks to a lot of your efforts and then your, and your success over the last few years, you're ramping up and you're you're getting bigger as, as time goes on. And I'm just wondering if you've learned anything through this process because it, you're a pretty unique company, but, like, it's kind of, mm-hmm. Is something you can expand upon and, and, and teach other people about. Is there anything that the process of getting bigger has taught you and anything that kind of surprised you, anything you pass along to other people who are looking to do the same thing with their business?
0: Trust 20 is a proud sponsor of the So You Want to Run a Restaurant podcast. Trust 20's ANSI-accredited food handler certificate training is the freshest course on the market and made with the worker in mind. It's interactive, entertaining, and the test at the end is even gamified. Yes, you heard that right. Get your new team members up to speed on food safety in no time. Today, right now, this second, you gotta do it. Trust20 Food Handler Certificate Training is available for individual and group purchases. Head to their site, Trust20.co, again that's Trust20.co, and sign up for the newsletter to stay up to date, because Trust20 will also be launching a food allergy certificate training this spring. Get your team a certificate today.
2: Um, Just really prioritize what you spend that first clutch of money on, um, you know, go as lean as you can. If you're looking into doing a food business, don't splash out on packaging and logos at first, make something really great, make a really great product, do it as inexpensively on the location side as you can. Um, but spend all the money on the ingredients, make, don't go cheap on the ingredients. Don't do that. Mm -hmm. But you know, we were in a commissary for three years and that like, We, the quantity and the volume that we did in the commissary now that I think about it, it was just insane. And I have no idea how I did this with my production manager, Hannah, who's been there with me since the beginning. Like I have no idea how the two of us made that much food, but we did. And we just did it, um, and that attitude and, you know, being in commissary where we were paying so little, like barely any rent at all got us to the point where, when we did move into a factory. Uh, We could buy the equipment that we needed. We could do the things that we needed. We could start spending money on the packaging. Um, You know, um, there's that. And also, honestly, this sounds so cynical, but get the best business attorney and get the best accountant you can afford. Those two things are so vital. Um, I should never be trusted with any kind of accounting or reconciliation or spreadsheets. You don't want me to get anywhere near that. And so I know that that has to be done by somebody else. And um, as far as a business attorney goes, their advice is worth their weight in gold. Like you just will come across situations where you just really need that behind you.
1: I was gonna say it, it's. I feel very much the same way as you. I'm not the spreadsheet guy. I'm not like I think we all pay accountants for a reason and, and lawyers for a reason. Yes. You stick the words out of my mouth. They're yes. worth their weight in gold, because. Mm-hmm even if you sat down and try to figure it out, like it would take you days to do it with something that could do probably in an hour. But that's definitely yes. one of those, the, the, the true, unless you happen to be a former accountant who was really good at making ice cream. That looks like chicken, you know, congratulations. <laughs> right. You've struck pay dirt. but right. <laughs> I don't know how many yes. people have actually pulled that off. So, yeah. um, no. so that's also funny. I'm really interested because the product you make is in terms of expansion and also e-commerce this all folds in the product you make is so visually pleasing that's got to factor in your social media game big time and i'm wondering like how has that been for you like were you are you a social media whiz yourself how how have you managed that part of the growth because for a lot of people that's not an intuitive thing like you you can do it when it's a small operation but then all of a sudden when there's i i even have a hard time with it i consider myself pretty adept at it so i'm just curious as to how you've managed that
0: and and can I just add before you I'm, answer that I would also yeah. say that your mm-hmm. stuff would be awesome on I feel like TikTok audience and the Gen oh, yeah. Z folks yes. would be obsessed with this yes. kind of thing. So I'm curious too if you've yes. if you've tackled the wonderful world of of, of TT. Ooh, I have not. I I'm
2: I, I don't even think that I will be allowed to do anything on TikTok. I'm way too old. They'd be like, no, 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 no. You're way too old. You can't have this. Just, you're gonna you're gonna like. You're gonna devalue TikTok by just getting on it, lady. Yeah. Um, I am probably gonna hire a social media manager this year because I am terrible at it. I um I am in charge of the company Instagram right now and sometimes I am loath to to post. Like I just feel like I don't have anything to say. Yeah. And I'm tired and you know, with everything that's happened these past couple of years, it's hard to get on there and be like, Hey everybody, let's get some ice cream and it, it just makes me feel kinda of gross. But I'm also really weird, you know, like I'm just probably way too weird to manage the company instagram account so my whole thing with that because it's me right now is i try to be as genuine as possible um and just post what's necessary and i i just can't post every day i'm just not that person yeah Um, but you know it is
1: work it's 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 a it's a full-time thing it's a full-time job yeah you like if you're doing it the way that a lot of these companies approach it you basically it's like not a post a day it's like three posts it's like all the, the spin on it. And that, that takes a different level. Like you, you can't be. Oh God, you know. it's
2: amazing.
1: Yeah, it really is. I give a lot yeah. of people credit. Some And some people are naturals too. But But I I would also
0: add that your product sells itself on on social. So I feel like you're kind of like a Cameo, in that Cameo had a built-in marketing machine. They're that celebrity shout-out app. And that (laughs) the people that were doing it were celebrities. It's like your food itself is so fascinating that I would think it's like Instagrammable. Because we've talked to so many people throughout the, the last season and this season Who were creating these pop-ups, and it was very much, "Hey, our food is very purposely made to be photographed online." We know that that's part of the restaurant experience, the foodie experience. So I feel like it kind of sells itself.
2: It really does, and we've been really lucky in that way. And again, none of it was by design. Um, It was just what I wanted to do and what I felt I wanted to say, and I just wanted to make you know visual, edible jokes, really. Um, You know, and when I started the company, I was at a point in my life where I was like all right, we're either gonna do this ice cream thing or we're going to I don't know maybe refinish furniture or something, but I was just kind of broken with food and so the food I started making at that point the ice cream treats the novelties i I wanted to put some joy back there in the world so I think that you know what's happened on Instagram for us uh you know our following's okay I don't cultivate it in any way, which I know I should, but you know it's all very genuine it's all very authentic i make what we make because it's funny we enjoy making it and it translates well on Instagram. And so we're lucky, but nothing's designed to sort of do that viral thing for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well,
1: speaking of which I'm curious because you're, you have a very creative mind. Obviously that's your, your artistry shows itself in, in the product, but do you guys have anything? Can you. can you spill any, spill any tea for us or spill any, any upcoming products? Ice cream Are you working on anything? Yeah. I want, I'm maybe it is a literal uh, can of a cup of tea that's oh, yeah. like ice cream. I don't know. <laughs>
2: There's some very, we have some very, very fun things coming up. Um, I don't know why I'm obsessed with making food look like meat, but it's just always been a thing. And I know it's just probably really weird. But we are making uh, little ice cream uh, treats that look like mortadella. Ooh. It's strawberry uh-huh. with um, crispy marshmallows and pistachios. And we make it in like a cylindrical mold. And then we dip it in... Um, caramelized white chocolate that's been tended to look like the rind of a mortadella. And they're hilarious. Like you look at them in the box and you just start laughing because it's totally ridiculous and it's (laughs) It's really funny. Um we just started doing that. We started doing that for Chubby Fish. It's a restaurant in town. Um they opened about the same time that we did, and it's been this Oh,
1: I love Chubby Fish so much. Yeah, we Um, I I get to hang out with our guests. They're so great.
2: And I just, it's been the most fun relationship. They opened the restaurant about the time that we got started, and it's just been this real sense of, like, kinship with them, of growing at the same time. And, you know, James London, the chef there, I feel like we have the same sort of food brain, and so it's really, really fun to make things for them. So we started the mortadella for them. Um, For Mother's Day, we're making a really nice box of ice cream bonbons, so, like, nice little bites of ice cream. That look like really nice high-end chocolates in a nice chocolate box for mom, for Mother's Day, And for Easter, um, I kind of fell down this rabbit hole of antique metal chocolate molds from the 30s and 40s, like bunnies and rabbits and all that kind of thing. So we are making stand-up 3D rabbits and ducks that have a chocolate shell, but the whole inside is ice cream.
0: Oh, very
1: cool. And those are really, really, I just realized you do have a lot of built-in, like... Uh malleability with holiday stuff like Valentine's Day must have been huge for you
2: it was really good it was very very fun it was really good the holidays are are great for us Um, and we were really surprised by Thanksgiving and Christmas that, that Christmas is colossal for us we you know and I just never really thought that it would be Such a big thing for an ice cream company. Well,
0: I think it's because of the gifts, the unique, the uniqueness of the gifts. You're always, yes, right. You're always looking for something new to give someone. You're like, oh, I don't just want to give someone a normal box of chocolates. My grandmother is off the boat Italian, who loves mortadella. I would love to give her this instead once it comes out. I think that would be awesome. She would, she would love this. She would love it. So yeah. Okay, so now
1: it's like a better Vienna cake.
0: Right. Right. Yes. Right. (laughs) <laughs> so now, looking kind of into the future here um at and um, mm-hmm. what you hope for for life raft treats, i I know you mentioned that you were considering a potential brick and mortar location um at some point yes. outside of more holidays or mm-hmm. it, did you want to talk about that or just um in general what's what's kind of in store Yeah, what's on the line? yeah,
2: sure. we are definitely looking for a brick and mortar and you know Charleston real estate is no joke downtown is small, it's expensive um everybody wants to be down there, but I'm surprisingly patient with that aspect of the business uh we are going to find the right space and when it works it's going to work we have our eye on something for 2023 um but in the meantime we are looking a little further afield like in mount pleasant which is this beautiful town kind of like across the the bay harbor whatever from charleston the main peninsula um so shops generally in the works and you know once we get one shop going we'd love to have some throughout the southeast like we love atlanta i worked in atlanta for about 12 years and it's kind of a second home Um, would love to have a shop there have some shops in Southeast expand wholesale operations some more be available in Whole Foods throughout the nation that would be great Um, you know and really I the the main thing that I would really like to um, accomplish with this growth is to be able to have more people on my team who can have a really nice life you know I would love to get to the point where our company's minimum wage is $20, $25 an hour, um, you know, like just, I feel like it, sometimes I could be making soap right now or I could be making paper, but the main thing that drives me in this business is being able to have more people under our umbrella who can have a, a decent life. That's the main thing right now.
0: Yeah. I feel like we've heard That's a lot really of- really
1: refreshing outlook. Mm-hmm.
0: I feel like we've heard a lot of folks say that, and they're trying to support their teams, and especially coming out of COVID and all the things that the whole industry has gone through, really. So uh, that's that's really refreshing to hear. All right. Well, I will certainly be looking forward to all of the treats coming out here. And before we let you go, Cynthia, we would like you to do the tasting round, which is our rapid-fire round of three quick questions. First thing that comes to mind. First up, most memorable dessert you've ever eaten besides your own?
2: Oh my gosh, Um, I had this, in. uh, there's this really small town um, right inside the Spanish border in France, and I stayed at this amazing little bed and breakfast there and had simple, really simple, nice sorbet, uh, fruit sorbets with like this almond mousse, and it was so simple, but just so simple and just, just astonishing in how pungent and bright the flavors were and the texture of the mousse,
1: yeah. Oh, that sounds! I'm great. definitely getting my tra- travel recommendations from you. Was that
2: Uh No, it was um, a town called Yo, L L O. It was yeah. tiny, 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 tiny
1: town. No, I'm definitely getting my travel recommendations for you before I go back to France. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds great.
0: Yeah. You know, sometimes it's the simple yeah. things, though. It's like if you can find the most amazing yeah. vanilla, vanilla right. cupcake, I'm like sold, man. Yes. You can get that right. Yes, absolutely. It. Or just a simple chocolate and chocolate, and get the chocolate frosting flavors and the and the right cocoa. Mm-hmm. I mean, come oh, on, yeah. that's that's it's not easy to do uh okay next mm-hmm. question restaurant technology or just technology in general your business that you couldn't live without
1: uh our blast freezer mm-hmm. i was gonna say freezing
0: freezing <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> freezing our blast freezer we have a blast freezer that can harden 450 pieces of ice cream like 450 novelties wow in about 15 minutes it goes from um like a internal temperature of 0 to negative 45 in about 15 to 20 minutes.
0: Oh my gosh.
2: So don't. Yeah, like we have to wear gloves Uh, when we pull things out of there because it'll take the skin off your hands.
0: I was going to say, so don't put your hand in there anywhere near it is what you're saying.
1: Dry ice effect. (laughs) Yes. Wow.
0: Yes. Okay. and last question. And um, I feel like Zach could answer Mm -hmm. this too. I feel like he's answered this for himself. A place you've never been that you'd love to visit?
2: Uh, Anywhere in the South Pacific. Just the the islands and the water and the huts and no one around and just yeah
0: yeah
1: yeah that sounds nice it sounds very <laughs>
0: tranquil especially now sitting here in all in the winter in the winter snow of Chicago um, I, I will take any beach or tropical tropical sunset tropical weather right now so. Yes, <laughs> for sure. Well, thank you so much, Cynthia. This has been a pleasure talking to you. Thank I you love guys. What yeah, you're absolutely. Building. Thank you. Love your treats. This was so fascinating, and um, I really look forward to seeing your success and the business that you're building. Thank you here. so much.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you so- it was great to chat with you. Can't wait to send my dad yeah. down to Georgia a bunch of your your ice cream chicken. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank
0: you. Want to hear more listeners? Then you need to head to backofhouse.io where you can find the latest on restaurant technology, food service industry news, a ton of free how-to guides, like how to digitize your space, how to work with food influencers, the latest on restaurant relief, and more interviews with industry experts. And while you're there, definitely remember to sign up for their free weekly newsletter, Eat.News. Back of House has a team of food service industry writers and journalists who cut through the noise and give you the headlines that you really need to see each week. This is honestly one of the best weekly food service-focused newsletters I've ever read or seen, and I wouldn't say that if it weren't true. Follow us on Twitter at boh underscore podcast and at We Are Back of House on all other platforms.